As part of the exhibition Sight and Sound, Sonic Art is Ecological Practice at McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery. Liquid Architecture was invited to stage a project critically responding to themes of sonic art, acoustic ecology, field recording, deep listening, and spatial sound, all understood in the context of profound environmental crisis and instability. Curator Joel Stern invited A. Hanley, Sen Ya, Dembi Sodol, and Tina Stefanu to collectively realize the project Unheard Relations comprising of experimental audio works and a long-form polyvocal essay and script. Sen Ya is a documentary maker with a background in creating intimate dialogues, storytelling and community radio. Exploring resonance and grief around language, their piece Visiting Rights, I Take Off My Shoes Before I Enter, untangles how language can create connections across multiple places. This is a podcast from Liquid Architecture. Support Liquid Architecture's podcast and publishing through a Patreon subscription. To support, head to patreon.com slash liquidarchitecture. Yeah, my name is Sanya and primarily I'm a documentary maker and an artist um, with a background in storytelling and creating intimate dialogues. And yeah, a lot of the work that I do is very much like community driven and about like relationship building. The work that I produced uh, was called Visiting Rights and it was uh, I guess me exploring the relationship between birds and Vietnamese language which is the language that I also speak. So I was really interested in kind of the I guess the kind of sonic similar sonic qualities between listening to birds at McClelland and uh, my experience of learning and speaking Vietnamese. Um, I'm not fluent in Vietnamese and obviously I can't speak bird, Um, but yeah, I started to kind of pick up different patterns that uh, the local magpies were kind of calling and started to kind of make that relationship between, yeah, those two different like sonic languages. It was really good to to be in conversation with Tina, Thembi and Amy and Joel as well through through the process. We had this very lively WhatsApp chat group, uh, which we, I think, renamed as Bird Drama. I think it was also really great because we connected when I think we were still in lockdown here. So it was good to kind of connect with uh, local sound artists, yeah, based here in Nam. I was actually going to explore something completely different when I first went to McClelland to visit there. But then, yeah, the project as, as it goes when you, you're creating something, it naturally changes. And, um, yeah, I think I definitely was gravitating more towards the magpies because they had such a strong presence on the ground there. And I'd never met such friendly magpies before and my um when I stayed there for a number of days um there were a couple of magpies that would visit me daily and they would like cheekily walk up to the door I think they were very used to humans being around there and yeah when I started you know talking to them a bit more they I noticed that they were like more friendly and more attracted to visiting where I was staying (laughs) which was really great. 
And it, uh, Tina had been there the week before I stayed and said that, yeah, the magpies were visiting her as well. So that was really nice. And on one of my final stays at McClelland, I did some filming and I think, yeah, waiting around was really good for my practice in terms of like seeing what would unfold like sonically and visually as well. And there were moments where the magpies would come up to me and come up to the camera and like stay for like a long period of time. And yes, that felt really special. I would go on a walk in the morning and in the afternoon. I I think staying there, I started to recognise, oh, what time of the day the birds would wake up and um, be more present there at McClelland. So it tended to be, like, late afternoons, like when most of the visitors had left, and sometimes early in the morning, but mostly in the afternoon. So... Those were kind of the two times I would go out and I started to notice like where they would hang out. Like there was, um, there's a labyrinth at McClelland that I became quite drawn to and they also had a few nests around there. So yeah, I just naturally gravitated towards like recording in those areas. I definitely think that that has always been a grounding force through my work, which is very much, I guess, tying it back to like relationship building and making patterns as well. Like making associations between either like an animal and a language in this case yeah or between people which is what I'd commonly explored more in the past but working with this project at McClelland kind of opened me up to I guess working sonically beyond like just like the human voice which is what I'm more used to doing. Originally, I was going to, I was really interested in um, burial sites, um, having visited a burial site of my great-grandparents in Vietnam. When I stayed at McClellan, there were parts where I would feel like I was transported back to those sites, especially around the labyrinth, which looked quite similar in the way that the rocks were formed and the shading of the trees. And... I think when I began to like think about that more, about being in kind of two places at once, was when I started to notice the birds a lot more. And I guess my relationship with Vietnamese is that uh, I don't speak it fluently, so, but there are things like that help me access it more, like karaoke as one, uh, which features in my piece. And then also, in this case, it felt like the birds were a way to access a language and a memory as well. I would say it's almost like being lost in translation. And like when you're learning a new language, like you have to fumble along the way. And I think like there was a lot of that in this process. Um, yeah, it was quite challenging for me to, to make this work, but I definitely think having the birds was like a good guidance towards, towards it. There's definitely sounds of, like, 
the magpies coming up to visit me at the studio and around the labyrinth. So there's a few different calls that they do. And I wouldn't say that I'm like an expert now on like what the call means, but it was nice to be able to recognize some of them. And then I did feature a sample, um, a song by a Vietnamese singer, Julie Huang, who was really prominent in the 60s and 70s. She's Vietnamese Indian. And the song was like very popular among like my parents' generation. So it was like a song that I'd often hear growing up. And then you also hear me trying to sing it, but kind of fumbling through the different accents of the language and the, the vocals. And then we also have like sounds of a market that I visited when I was in Saigon in 2015. That was a really interesting recording for me because it was, I guess, a record of me being on the outside as like people who are Vietnamese there don't see me as Vietnamese, so they would speak to me in English. And so there's that kind of disassociation too. I almost feel like, I mean, all of last year, like words felt really important, but also could mean nothing in the context of a pandemic, in the context of like political uprisings. I feel like words became, like there was more of a gravity to words. And for me, because I hadn't made like a sound piece in a really long time, coming back to creating something for, in this context with at McClelland was in a way a, for me to see where my voice was at again, but through a language that I don't understand, the birds, the magpies. It's almost like like you, a, a guide or a translator who helps navigate you through like a foreign place or a new place. Also being able to be um, somewhere beyond you know, my five kilometer radius <laughs> was um, a whole new experience again. So I definitely think that being there and like having the birds kind of help navigate me or like help translate things for me was, um, yeah, necessary for where I'm at with my work. I feel like grief is, um, yeah, something I was starting to explore through the making of this piece. And it's almost like grief can have such a gravity, which can feel like it's so tied to your body as a place of your body as a site of grief, being where you experience it. But how do you process that? And yeah, in the making of this piece, I found that repetition was was a really interesting part of processing that grief. I guess returning to McClelland several times to do recordings, becoming familiar with a particular site where the magpies would hang out. And it's almost like a reassurance that, that I'm there and I'm present in that time. And even though it might not last, but it's like at least some form of repetition kind of makes it feel, I don't know, it's almost like you're showing that, that I can show up for, the, for this or for myself and to be present to listen to the environment there, to the birds. 
Um, and I think that in return, the magpies gave me something back, which is hard to like fully describe in words, but I would definitely say that they, they gave me something that, that I'm really grateful for. And yeah, that was really important for the process. I think about like the oral storytelling traditions in a lot of um, uh, Indigenous communities and then also like uh, my own family of like storytelling through music, um, storytelling through um, passing down stories. Yeah, and so I think that it's not just something that like can help us for the future, but I guess it's so also related to the past and to lineage and to associations as well. So it's like what the disassociations I may feel now, um, making the associations is almost like a way to take away that disassociation. And I think that that can only come from understanding that there is a lineage in like, I guess, like sonic history and practice. And what I'm creating isn't new, but it's just something that has been passed down or offered to me through either the magpies or people that I'm connected with, the communities I'm connected with, yeah. On the day of the presentation, I I guess I did more of a performance. I started with um, a prayer and then a bit of singing and then introduced the piece and then played the piece and I guess encouraged people to walk through the space as if they're walking through, yeah, a landscape, a market. So I think that having that, thinking about how people will relate to me as someone also translating the work to them is important. I love dissecting the work that I've created and maybe building upon that for something else later. Um, So I think that that's something that uh, I'm more interested in rather than a completed piece of work. I think that, like, moving forward, I found that uh, whenever I, I work with sound, it feels like such an intimate space to be in and... Yeah, I'm really glad that I got the time to to work through what I needed to through this piece. And it's almost like a practice that I, I just couldn't imagine myself doing like, or like putting something out there like once a month or like, I don't even know anyone who does that. But unless, unless you're maybe a musician, not sure. But, but yeah, it's almost like a once a year thing or even performing. So yeah, it's nice to just have the time to do it and then to see what brews in the next year. This recording was produced by Mara Schrettfeger for Liquid Architecture on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge them as the traditional owners of this land and recognise that sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Liquid Architecture is an Australian organisation for artists working with sound and listening. Support Liquid Architecture's podcast and publishing through a Patreon subscription. To support, head to patreon.com slash liquidarchitecture.